Welcome to my bed and welcome to this Patreon ASMR bedtime show. I'm very, very grateful that you're here and that you're supporting me also to the new patrons. I'm so glad that you are supporting me and this means a lot to me. And if you want to reach out to me or ask any questions, please feel free. So yeah, we came back from our kind of Swiss road trip and uh, I actually made some YouTube videos about this trip, which was very nice. We went to Wallis, a part of Switzerland, uh, kind of far away from here, but I've never really been there. It's kind of like a valley and there's a lot of agriculture. We also made a stop in Gruyère, which is where the famous cheese comes from. And there is a famous museum by H.R. Giger, who is the man who basically made all the costumes for Alien and many other um, movies, sci-fi movies. And he basically is responsible for that iconic Alien design and many other things. And he really had a crazy fantasy, kind of dark and gory, but very, I don't know if he was on LSD or something, but very cool. We also made some stops at different places. We stopped at Montreux, which is where, where the famous jazz festival is, which you might have heard of. It's a pretty small city at a lake. And actually, as a kid, I made an internship there. So I kind of knew the city. It's French speaking, though. But it's definitely beautiful, some beautiful houses. And then we went to the place called Loikabat, which is kind of like a spa thermal resort, you could maybe call it, with some beautiful mountains around. We made some hikes, I kind of got sunburned. Uh, we uh, spent a lot of time in the sauna, which I really did miss because it's one of the best ways where I can really ground myself. And luckily we were able to uh, stay amongst ourselves in the sauna. We were mostly only our, uh, us two. And we also were swimming because the cool thing is that naturally the water there is very warm it's like 50 degrees or something coming out of the ground or out of the mountain which is pretty amazing so they don't even have to heat it up necessarily so a very cute small um, village and um, then on our way back we made a pause in Sion which in German is called Zitten which is another city nearby. We went up to two castles and the old town, which was really nicer than expected. And then we made another hike near a monastery. Uh, it was raining all the time, but we had our um, umbrellas with us. And I also made a video of this because the sounds were just so cool of the rain on the umbrellas. And it was pretty amazing. But in any case, uh, it was nice doing that and it was good for me again. Uh, doing some cardio because I noticed that really um, I haven't intensely worked out for a long time and I really want to do it again but it was just very hard with COVID around and now this week has started again with some good things and some annoying things but that's the way life is and maybe I'm gonna talk about something annoying that happened to me at the end of this but I think I want to start with some ideas that I've been thinking about, uh, which I think can be valuable to you as well. 
and then I want to present some unintentional ASMR that I enjoyed and finally just rant a bit about what's been going on but uh, that's basically it and I'm really looking forward to this all right what I want to talk about today is inshallah which is a traditional Muslim phrase so to say which you might have heard if you know Muslims and uh, they say it quite a bit I always thought it sounded kind of cool and knew it meant something with God with Allah but I didn't really understand why that say why they would say it and also why they would say it so frequently sometimes because sometimes I would watch also interviews with let's say Turkish immigrants in Germany and they would say uh, inshallah quite a bit and they would often use it at the end of a sentence let's say like my family has been healthy throughout the lockdown let's hope it stays this way inshallah or I did my best and finished my article let's hope people will read it inshallah and to be honest my first knee-jerk reaction was is it really necessary to bring your religion into this and why do you have to praise your God so often but after looking into it and trying to understand what this phrase could mean I gotta say I changed my mind I actually love the meaning the deeper meaning and if I was a Muslim I'd probably start saying it too and I also think in these politically difficult time with what's going on in this world and also in Europe and everything I think it's it's very important to keep an open mind to not get sucked into prejudice about religion and so on just saying this religion is dangerous or something even though probably there are some things that are somewhat dangerous and anachronistic I would say I think it's important to keep an open mind and trying to really educate yourself about religions also about Islam, about Ramadan, about what they value, about how the religion developed and so on and uh, most of you will probably know that in Germany and also in Switzerland and Sweden and many parts of Europe uh, this religion has become more important because a lot of the immigrants that came in uh, the last century uh, I would say 20 years or 30 years or so are Muslim and in Germany initially I would say in the 50s and 60s they mainly came to help rebuild Germany and a lot of them came actually from poorer parts of Turkey like Anatolia where a lot of them weren't just highly educated academics they were maybe simple workers a lot of them now are very successful academically and in many regards and just one example the two the couple who invented the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine is a Turkish couple and I think all in all it's good to be grateful and look at the very positive examples of integration while also being um, I would say honest and objective about there also being clashes of culture and yes there are things like 
isolation and um, Turkish immigrants not learning German and not really accepting our values of tolerance and tolerance for homosexuality, tolerance for um, giving, allowing women to wear whatever they want to wear and, and things like these. So I think I'm trying to stay quite neutral, but also I'm trying to be open, talk to Muslim people and trying to understand their religion, which definitely has many beautiful aspects about it. About it. I think the mosques in many cases look beautiful. The artwork is, is beautiful, like those intricate geometries is, is very beautiful. And yeah, I think it's important to keep an open mind. And this was my little preface. Okay. So let's go back to Inshallah before I digress too much, which I tend to do. According to Wikipedia, Inshallah can be translated as if God wills. So kind of like if God wants it. And it refers to events that one hopes will happen in the future. It expresses the belief that nothing happens unless God wills and that his will supersedes all human will. So yeah, that definition alone still sounds somewhat cryptic and dogmatic when I first heard it. And yeah, we get it. God is strong and he's the boss. And that's the case in most religions, right? But yeah, thinking more about it, Here's why I think this idea can be very helpful, even to people who aren't religious at all. To me, if God wills, inshallah, also implies, sure, we all have hopes for the future. We want things to turn out well for us. We want things to turn out a certain way. But ultimately, we don't know what will happen and we'll never be in full control of the future. And I think that's a very powerful lesson to remember. I know it's a hard pill to swallow, especially for neurotic type A personalities, which I am as well. But I firmly believe that this is true. We will never be able to really tell what will happen. The future will always remain a black box to some extent. We can never fully understand the world with all its millions of actors and factors and variables and hyper-complex interdependencies. There are so many interdependencies, there can be so many butterfly effects that one small thing can lead to something terrible or beautiful down the line. We really cannot control all these variables. That's obvious to most of us, right? But I think in our hyper-individualistic Western culture, we tend to overemphasize our importance and the extent to which we can control things. But ultimately, most things are out of our control, right? And we're like a little ant, a little cockroach in the grand scheme of things, or like a grain of sand or something. Let's be honest here. And yeah, I think internalizing inshallah and the lesson behind it can teach us humility and also prepare us mentally if things go south unexpectedly. Humility because, yeah, we cannot really control things. We are just, if you really look at it objectively, we are just one of millions and trillions of variables in this world and we can never fully control what will happen tomorrow. 
even if we do the best to make it controllable. And also it can kind of prepare us mentally for different outcomes that we didn't anticipate and plan for and not being totally shocked by them happening. And sure, we want life to be certain and predictable. That gives us comfort. We want to know for sure that if we do X and Y, we'll get outcome Z. Like if we put in some kind of work, this is going to happen. And that works in video games, which I think is a big, big reason why they are so hugely popular, especially in men. In role play games, if you kill 10 monsters, you'll have enough XP to level up and you'll have, let's say, enough gold to buy that new sword or that new armor. It's very predictable, very linear, very mathematic. But that's not the, the way the world works, right? That's not how reality works. The world isn't as easy and predictable as a video game, unfortunately. But also fortunately, because it makes it more interesting. You can't eliminate uncertainty, right? I mean, for all we know, a comet might fall onto our heads in any second. Usually if we notice that a comet comes near to this Earth, it's already kind of too late and we're just lucky. And if it's a big enough one, the atmosphere is not going to destroy it. You probably know this as well, and I really don't want to freak you out. And I get it, me talking about God and Allah. I get that you might be annoyed by the God part, and I'm more of an atheist myself. But if you don't believe in God at all, you can also replace God with randomness, right? If you attribute the uncertainty about the future uh, to God or to pure randomness doesn't really make much of a difference. The lesson remains the same. A big part of our life's outcomes are inexplicable to us and we can't change them, right? There's a good reason that the concepts of fate and prophecies have been so popular in the stories we enjoy. I mean, so many stories with, yeah, the prophecy, you're the chosen one, or you're going to end up just like Oedipus, who has this prophecy that he's going to get with his mother and kill his father, and he's so disturbed by that that he rips out his, his eyes or something. And the idea of having a fate that is predetermined for us kind of resonates with us. But as humans trying to struggle against that and trying to be like, no, I can't change my fate. It's not all predetermined. I think those ideas are very powerful and everything. But in any case, what counts is the future is to a large extent a black box. It's uncertain and there is always an element of randomness or you could call it God. God's ways are inexplicable, right? We can't really know what's going to happen. We can plan as much as we want. But what I want to point out is there's an important difference, however, between the two views, between God wants it this way and it's all random. Because believing a God chooses whatever happens to us implies that it is not totally random. That there is some underlying logic and fairness. This is why we kind of hope that our gods are good and kind of like us and good-hearted and empathetic and loving. Because if we had a god that would just randomly 
put our house <laughs> on fire because he's annoyed or something, we would be kind of scared and anxious all the time. And maybe this is something that the Greek god Zeus would be doing, but our Christian god or the Muslim god doesn't tend to do this kind of crazy erratic stuff. And also in religion, believing in some kind of cosmic justice gives us certainty and also it motivates us to behave in a certain good manner, whatever good may be, may be defined as in your religion. In Christianity, good is abiding to the Ten Commandments and not stealing, not killing other people and praying and so on, having one wife only, not yeah, cheating and so on. In Islam, it's similar, but there's also praying, um, Ramadan, fasting and so on. I think a large part why religion has been so effective and us believing into gods has been so important to us is that we are overwhelmed by the uncertainty about the future and believing that if we act right, if we do the right things to please our gods and thus our gods will be happy with us and will be bringing us a good future and the outcomes that we desire, be it good fertile crops and enough rain or not too much rain and success in our career or whatever we desire, finding love, uh, finding health. This gives us a lot of certainty because then our life is a bit more like an RPG. We put in this much prayer and we get out health, happiness and love. This is very cynical, of course, but I mean it just in the best way. Okay. This concept of cosmic justice is obviously very important in, I would say, all religions that I know of. The Buddhists call it karma, right? This idea that whatever you bring into this world, you kind of get back and you shouldn't do evil stuff either. The Christians call it sinning if you do undesired behavior and virtue if you do good things. And you have to atone for your sins. You have to confess to them. And back in the day, unfortunately, you had to pay to get rid of your sins. And fortunately, Martin Luther said that's BS, I think. And the Muslims call it haram. They call like halal what is good and allowed and haram what is forbidden, so to say, in their religion. And if you do too much of the bad stuff, you'll end up in hell in afterlife which also exists in Christianity, but also in, in, in Islam. And in Buddhism, you probably will be reborn as a cockroach or something if you do too much bad karma stuff. If terrible things happen to you, there must be a reason, probably too much sinning or uh, something else that you did wrong. Because ultimately, what we believe in in Christianity is that God has a plan for us. We may not understand what it is, but God has a plan for us. The alternative is just pure cold randomness, which is pretty scary to believe in and pretty, pretty hard to handle for a lot of people. But I digress a bit. I think the idea of Inshallah is a valuable mental framework. If you obsess over future events, if you want things to go a certain way, which I guess all of us do in a certain way, right? Sure, it's totally normal that you want your exam to go well and that you want your doctor to say it's all okay or that you want your family to stay healthy. But ultimately, 
Let's be honest, you don't know what's going to happen. This isn't something you can't control. Endlessly ruminating also won't help. It will likely only make you miserable. If you've ever had something really bad happen to you, you probably realize how quickly your life can change and descend into chaos. And everything we thought was good and stable and predictable can crumble in front of our eyes. If you've ever been in those moments of panic, it's just like pure panic and everything I took for granted isn't there anymore. And I don't wish that upon you. And I've only come somewhat close to it, but not really been into deep, deep shit. And I think as a protective mechanism, we kind of have to repress that knowledge as humans to function in, in our everyday lives. It certainly feels better if God gives me cancer and later, I guess, lets me chill in heaven because that's kind of a dick move, let's be honest, versus the scenario where there's no God in the picture and that one time I forgot to put sunscreen on in 1999 gave me skin cancer. Yeah, just believing that I'm fully responsible for whatever happened and it's, it's, everything can be random and whatever I decide today can lead to a terrible disease or something terrible happening uh, in, in 10 years. Um, leading to a domino effect in 10 years is kind of scary, right? It's very scary and it's almost harrowing, it's dreading, it's dreadful, it's uh, unbearable to some extent, I would say. So yeah, I leave it up to you if you believe God wanted that, God has a plan for you, or if you believe, yeah, it's all totally random and none of this is fair. I reckon that you gotta be pretty strong mentally to stick to the latter version, to the randomness version. My recommendation is just don't hate yourself because you forgot that sunscreen in 1999 or whatever mistake you regret. I know I've made the mistake of thinking about past mistakes and tormented myself and it doesn't get you any, anywhere. Trust that you always did your best with the information you had and the circumstances at that time. You couldn't have acted differently, I believe, else you would have. Sure, we can always think about past scenarios and how we made that one split decision and how it turned out to be bad and led to bad consequences and in the worst case to death and to losing your job and to whatever it may be. And this is terrible that we have to live with this. And I think we humans are able to torment ourselves for the rest of our lives because of one decision, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And if you can maybe get therapy or just work on, on getting rid of that, but I digress a bit again. I think still inshallah is a valuable tool or the idea behind it because Let's say next time you think about some future event that makes you very anxious. Remember to add inshallah or we'll see at the end of your rumination session because eventually it might all turn out different. And sometimes different means better than you had hoped for and sometimes different means worse than you had hoped for. That's life, right? I think we in the West, especially thinking we can control everything and we're all powerful, it's not true, okay? We cannot control reality. 
We don't know exactly what's going to happen if we go to the doctor. We don't know even if we prepare really well, if we're going to pass that exam. We don't know if we're going to land at that job. We don't know if our, our boss is going to be super pissed at us and if he's going to just fire us. And the Stoics also address this in saying, only deal with what you can really influence. Don't try to be the God. Don't try to play God and don't try to control what you can't control. You also can't really control if people are going to love you. I can't control if my YouTube video is going to be successful. I can't control if whatever I do is going to be successful. Even if I live perfectly healthy and if I, if I take all the vitamins in the world, I might still die of some random disease that is just genetic or some cancer that I got because I ate the wrong potato chips 10 years ago. I, I don't know. Get some humility. And I mean, if you're able to believe in a God firmly, who kind of have a, has a plan for you, uh, I think that's a great thing. Good for you. If you don't believe in a God, I think it still can be valuable to say, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm fine with not being able to control the future fully. And I know that's easier said than, than done if you're type A, anxious, neurotic, because I think many of us are perfectionists because we want to eliminate every bit of uncertainty because we're anxious about the future. We don't want to be in pain. We don't want our loved ones to be in pain. And this is why we struggle so hard to plan everything and to prepare everything and to be prepared for everything, but we can't. And I think we just got to accept we're just some little ants, basically. And if you're totally agnostic or if you're not religious at all, uh, maybe you want to not say inshallah. You can, of course, I think, if the Muslims don't mind. But maybe you can use, we'll see, reminding yourself that you don't really know what's going to happen. If somebody tells you, oh, this is going to be bad, maybe add, we'll see. Or if, buddy, if somebody tells you this is going to be amazing, maybe also add, we'll see. You don't know exactly. And this kind of gets me to this fable, which you probably heard of as well. And I read about it a while ago on the Derek Sivers blog, which is excellent, by the way, who was the founder of CD Baby and is a very smart thinker, kind of like a role model in many ways. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but whatever. And he told that fable of we'll see. And he also has an audio version on his website. And maybe I'm just going to link or put some parts of the audio version in here for you to listen to, because I think he has a nice voice as well. A farmer had only one horse. One day, his horse ran away. His neighbors said, I'm so sorry. This is such bad news. You must be so upset. The man just said, we'll see. A few days later, his horse came back with 20 wild horses following. The man and his son corralled all 21 horses. His neighbors said, Congratulations, this is such good news, you must be so happy. The man just said, We'll see. One of the wild horses kicked the man's only son, breaking both his legs. His neighbors said, I'm so sorry, this is such bad news, you must be so upset. The man just said, We'll see. 
The country went to war, and every able-bodied young man was drafted to fight. The war was terrible and killed every young man, but the farmer's son was spared, since his broken legs prevented him from being drafted. His neighbors said, Congratulations, this is such good news, you must be so happy. The man just said, We'll see. Alright, that was my ideas of the week. Feel free to reach out and tell me what you think, if you think that's nonsense or if you think that's cool. And um, I didn't really want to make a statement about religion or something or politics about some sides. I don't even like to pick sides. But it was just about, okay, that's an idea and that is something that I can learn from this religion and I think it's always beautiful to look everywhere for ideas and habits and mental frameworks that make sense to you and that you can use for your own life. Just kind of like a buffet. Take whatever fits for you, discard what you don't need. That's how you should approach everything in life. You don't have to do anything just because somebody tells you this stuff. And I'm on a journey myself and I'm trying to get better myself. I thought I would show you some unintentional ASMR that I enjoyed uh, this week and I'm not going to present all of it. I'm just going to show you or let you listen to some bits and you can then see in the newsletter uh, what those are and maybe also in uh, the show notes, so to say, of this show. So here you go with some unintentional ASMR. Space Sims the final frontier. The gaming industry has long been wary of this genre. Making compelling content at this scale is full of great risk and great reward. Since 2012, Star Citizen has been pushing the limits, going where no space sim has gone before. Let me show you how. I'm sitting here in my ship. It's an Origin 325A, a small fighter. Let's turn it on. As you can see, every nook and cranny in this game is meticulously textured and detailed. It pushes even the best gaming rigs to the brink. Every inch of this ship also has a function. There's a bed, a sink, and even a toilet for those extra long space voyages. The ship is also quite small. It's only 27 meters in length. Larger carriers in this game can be kilometers long, supporting crews of hundreds. Here's the hatch to my spacecraft. Let's have a walk outside. Zero gravity takes a bit to get used to. Our armor has EVA thrusters, which makes maneuvering possible. There's lots of freedom out here, some great views to drink in. It's easier to do that than to like take a big step and mess up and not being able to fix it or losing time fixing it. Mm -hmm. I'd rather take my time blending it and getting it right versus like having to go back and try to fix it. And for this, the total hours of glam I think was like seven hours of oh my God, it getting glam. It was a very, it was a very long time, but I wanted it to be perfect. You wanted it to be perfect, and like you can see, we're literally not talking here because he wants to like be in the moment of glam, which I think is so admirable that you it take is so much time. Such a beautiful process for me because I get to really like get into it and like lose myself in the moment and like just really enjoy it it's like therapy for me it's like the time where nothing else matters other than what i'm doing in the moment so i, I really take but it seriously 
Today I'll show you how to assemble and adjust a MAT2ES OMAX microscope. Once you receive your package through mail, open the carton box carefully using a knife or a paper cutter. Inside, you should have a cushion letter that has a link to the instruction manual. Make sure to keep it and to not discard it. Now take out the styrofoam container in the box. Now, make sure that the, uh, to find the up sign with the arrow pointing upward on the styrofoam container and open it. Move the cover very gently and carefully. Take all the pieces out and place them on a flat and firm surface. In your package, you should have a microscope body, a binocular head, two sets of eyepieces, a headlock thumb screw that might already be in place on the microscope body, immersion oil, power adapter, color filter, and a dust cover. So now you're ready to assemble the microscope. First, I'll start with the binocular head. Simply remove the cap on the microscope body and screw the headlock thumb screw in. Very loosely, just a little bit. All right. Finally, I wanted to just kind of ask you how you're doing and maybe you also want to take the time to kind of think back on this week, what has been good and if there was anything that you can kind of be grateful for or a moment where you were able to experience joy, I think that's a very important exercise to make to kind of just, yeah, Go back, thinking about the week, thinking about nice moments. And it can be simple stuff. For me, it was just simple stuff like drinking a coffee again, um, listening to music, uh, editing some videos, working, this kind of stuff, which I enjoyed very much. There's also some stuff which kind of, I gotta admit, um, where a challenge for my peace of mind for finding calm i gotta be very transparent and there's one particular story which was really grinding my gear so to say and i think me just talking about it is better than just putting or keeping it in me and if you have something that really bothers you i think it's better to vocalize it in some way and not just trying to suppress it and then you're gonna explode at some point which a lot of people do and they usually exploded the wrong people at their family or at a cashier or something. So in any case, what happened was, um, before I was here in Zurich, you might know I was in Munich actually. So in Munich, I had this one unintentional ASMR channel. It was actually my secondary unintentional ASMR channel. And I took quite a while to build it up. And I had like 30 videos on there or something. I mean, taking all the time I put in there, it's definitely like, yeah, 50, 60 hours or something, or maybe even more. 
uh, weeks of work I put into it. I don't want to say it was like a huge um, project like building the Eiffel Tower, but I put some thought and definitely took a lot of time to um, find great videos and also um, have compilations on there and so on. And also this channel obviously wasn't monetized and I had like 12,000 subscribers on there or something. It was just called Unintentional ASMR. Okay, the funny thing is now, uh, as you know, I moved to Switzerland and um, now I wanted to upload something again on this channel and I was, I obviously knew my password so I put in the email address, I put in the password, but for some reason Google said this is suspicious what you're doing because my IP address has changed because obviously I'm no longer in, in, in Munich, in Germany, I'm now in Switzerland. So Google has a lot of security systems that they now implemented and basically they said this is suspicious and we, we're not going to trust you because you're somewhere else. And what I had done is I had activated two-factor authentication which basically means I gave them my, 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 my mobile number, my cell phone number. Um, so if there's a problem they would send like a, a text message and uh, I would be able to reactivate my, my account so to say. Which you have to do if you want to upload videos on YouTube anyways. So basically what they did now that I tried to log in again, they said, okay, we, we were going to send you a text message to your phone number. The problem is I obviously don't have my German phone number anymore, right? I'm, I'm no longer in Germany, I'm in Switzerland and I have been for months now. I obviously stopped having this phone number. So now I'm stuck in an endless loop of basically trying to log in. They are saying, hey, this is suspicious. Let us send you a text message. I can't. I can't look at the text message because I don't have that phone anymore. So it's obviously a nightmare and I actually tried to reach out to my mobile company in Germany, ask them, hey, can I get this number back? I really want this. I want to ha have access to my YouTube channel, right? Not even the Gmail, but my YouTube channel. No, it's not possible. The number is gone or whatever. Okay. And what's worse is Google is such a black box there's no way for me as a small nobody to reach out to them there's literally no hotline there's no email address you can't do anything so basically there's like a, a forum or something where i explained my situation and actually i found out many hundreds and thousands of others have the same problem there's no solution apparently there's actually no solution to this it's insane, right, that this company basically is the monopolist for, for video. And then now I don't have access anymore to this channel, which I built uh, months, basically took months to build. I can't even access it and I actually wanted to kind of change it, uh, the type of content I make there, but I can't now. And all of this work for nothing. Why? Because they have some weird algorithm that's supposed to protect me, but that locks me out of my Google locks me out of my account and basically there's no way for me to fix it. How is there no way for me to... I mean, it's not a big deal. I didn't do anything forbidden. I know my password. I know my password, but my crime is just that I changed countries. I mean, it's insane, right? You would think that... I don't know if that's even legal to basically prevent people from logging into their Gmail account.
whatever. So I've been trying everything, all different tactics and whatever. I've been actually using the same PC, the same device to log in, but still the same problem. I don't even understand it. The problem is if you, it, it almost feels like the Matrix or Skynet or something in, in Terminator. And to me, this whole thing feels like Kafka, the castle, if you read that book. So much bureaucracy and feeling like uh, it's a living nightmare having to deal with Google. And I think my little message to you is don't use Gmail. <laughs> I mean, basically, it's pretty obvious what they try to do, right? They want you to give them as much information about you as possible. Not only do they sometimes illegally read your emails and look at everything you type into Google and, and, and Chrome, and they make a profile out of you and they know which gender you have, where you log into and everything. They also want you to give them your phone number and they also want you to give them like... Um, another email address and so they basically know everything like who you are basically better than yourself it's pretty scary actually and so now if they decide like basically their security system isn't even people anymore it's just some machine it's a system that takes into account probably thousands of data points that they don't even know about so now there's no machine and there's no humans anymore that you could talk to there's just the machine who makes decisions and who knows, maybe in the future, in some dystopian future, if you search for the wrong things, if you, I don't know, don't have a good credit score, they're just going to cancel your Gmail account and your bank account because probably you're going to have your bank account via PayPal or something. Who knows what's going to happen? It's pretty scary. Whatever. I don't want to be all conspiratorial, conspiratorial here. All I can say is this really got on my nerves because I really wanted to build this channel too. I mean, building a channel up to 12,000 subscribers for me isn't something that goes easily. And it was depressing just having to put, uh, having put in all this work. And now it's very, very likely that I won't ever be able to access this, <laughs> this channel anymore. It's crazy, right? I mean, I didn't do any wrong, anything wrong. I mean, my crime was just to move countries. And then uh, on this forum, people weren't like somebody commented like, yeah, that's just a system. And before you moved, you should have uh, prepared your move. But nobody told me this stuff that it's impossible to move with a Gmail account, that it's impossible to move countries like this is insane almost to me. And uh, to be honest, I, it's, I guess it's my fault because I should have known better. But all I can say is if you want to do important stuff and if you're have a YouTube channel or something. Google is really, or Alphabet or whatever it's called now, it's a scary company, I don't know. It really feels like Kafka or something. So yeah, I think I'm over it. I'm starting to get over it. I think I'm gonna just make another channel. Uh, I wanted to make a channel more with maybe my own unintentional ASMR and, and, and the like, and just some nature sounds and everything, stuff I record online and make it, maybe separate to find calm. But um, this was kind of a setback, to be honest. It was kind of depressing. But now I got over it. There's more important things to life. Just wanted to kind of let you know what has been robbing me of peace of mind. And as you know, this is having peace of mind is very much a priority in my life. It's very important to me and dear to my heart. What about you? What was the thing that really prevented you from finding peace.
if we're in the moment, we always think it's this is the worst thing ever in our lives. But then looking back in many cases, it wasn't the most important thing. You know what? I read something in like a ADHD subreddit of a guy who said, for three years, I've been putting off going to the doctor for having checked my like some bumps in my somewhere on my face. And now I know that I have cancer. This is the stuff that's really bad, right? This is the stuff where you really have the right to be really get all the pity and sympathy in the world because it also kind of hit close to home because I feel like I have this too, this ADHD induced procrastination that I just put off going to the doctor sometimes, going to the dentist, the stuff that I know I have to deal with, I'm too scared to deal with it. And in many cases, I've had so many problems and expenses just because of this, um, yeah, this procrastination and this unwillingness to look at uncomfortable stuff. And I think to kind of tie it back to the inshallah stuff, I think I'm, I'm highly neurotic and type A and I'm just kind of scared of the future sometimes. And this is why I avoid dealing with uncomfortable things and really taking responsibility and accountability for the scary stuff in life. And a lot of it is scary and, and, and uncertain very much so. And if you're similar to me, then I wish you all the motivation and courage to do the scary stuff. If there's something you've been putting off that you know is important, do it now or do it just after listening to this. This is, I guess, my message to you. And I know it's difficult and scary, but that's what we have to deal with in life. That's, I guess, our main task in a way to overcome this uncertainty, the scary parts of life, which just we don't exactly know what's going to happen. I'm ranting a bit, but that's basically it. Again, I want to say thank you so much for supporting me. And I'm looking forward to creating new things for you that you're going to enjoy in the future. And if you have any feedback on what you would like to see more of or less of in this Patreon show, please let me know. And I really also want to create like just ASMR videos just for Patreon too. So you can look forward to that. Let's see when I get to do this because uh, we're gonna probably be traveling in June as well. This is gonna be our, our summer vacation with the Volkswagen bus. So that's it, thank you so much again. Have a beautiful day and 